Everybody okay? Everybody awake this morning? I don't need y'all to be quiet this morning. I need some people to shout me down out here today. I'm from the South, from North Carolina, and that's how I grew up. And so I would love for it to feel a little bit, a little support. You get it? That's what I need right there. That's what I need. Come on. I am not Pastor David, although we do look alike, um, but they're, they're uh, vacationing. They, they need it. They, you know, Pastor David's been on missions trips. He's been in Manila for three weeks. They have four kids that they're raising or running a church. I mean, they're doing a lot, and so much needed time off for the family. And so they decided to put me on stage today, so here we are. Um, You guys are amazing. Thank you. Um, so we have been in a series on faith. If you, if you wouldn't believe it, we've been talking about faith since April. It's been a long time that we've been talking about faith. We've unpacked not all that there is to learn about faith, but we've unpacked a lot about faith. And I've learned a lot. Um, but the challenge has been for me putting into practice the things that I've been learning, right? Um, it's like when you, when you pray for uh, patience or ask God for patience, and God gives you patience, but you don't know how much patience God has given you until you're put into a situation where you actually have to exercise the patience that God has given you. And so what I've been learning is that I didn't know the levels of faith that God has been taking me to until he's put me in situations where I've had to believe beyond what I had normally been believing, right? And so this has been... For me, the, the challenge of faith, and it's been, it's been fun. Let me just say that. <laughs> and so today we're talking about faith to endure. We're still talking about faith uh, today. And so we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 to 3. Would you, would you stand as we read the word together, as is our custom in reverence of the word? Here we go. Um, Therefore... Since we are surrounded by a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Thank you, God, for your word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for your word today. Help us uh, to learn how to surrender to you today, to learn how to endure in faith today. Um, help us to hear from your word and that we wouldn't be the same today, that we would be changed forevermore. Do something amazing in our lives and in our presence, in your presence today. We thank you, Lord. Let me decrease and you increase and speak through me to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Again, we're talking about faith to endure. My, my four sermon points today are surround, surrender, survey, and sustain. Working on my alliteration. I thought you guys might like that. Um, so anyway, the, the passage starts with a therefore. 
So anytime in scripture you see a therefore, it's to teach us something. It's to say, hey, what, what you're about to hear or what you're about to be encouraged to do has been informed by what has already been said. Like what you're about to hear and what you're encouraged to do, um, how do I say this, is basically uh, you're encouraged by what has already been said. It's a direct result of what has already been said. So the writer of Hebrews is instructing these uh, Jewish believers and and converts because they're under um, persecution. They're facing persecution. They're uh, facing, facing some, I want to call it oppression, but some direct opposition to their faith. And he's saying, hey, don't quit. Keep going. Keep running the race. Look to Jesus. Surrender what you have. How and why can we, can we do this? And he's saying, look, I've, I've went through this chapter in chapter 11 of this great cloud of witnesses that I've laid out and painted this great backdrop that they've done the things that I'm instructing you to do. And if they can do it, so can you, right? And so this is, this is what he's saying. And we've, we've talked about this for, again, four and a half months, and we've ran through chapter 11. I don't have time to really go through the, and everything here because it's not the main point of the message, but I do want to run through the roster because I get really excited when I hear the names of the people that I share this great inheritance of faith with. And so if you're looking in chapter 11, don't, you don't have to look at it, but there's, there's Abel, there's Enoch, there's Noah that he talks about, there's Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. There's Sarah, Joseph, Moses. There's the, there's the Israelites. If you look at chapter, verse 29 and verse 30, that there's this example here of, of corporate faith that God is calling us to. Like we're going to do something together as a family. And we're going to break some barriers in our city and around us together, not alone. I feel, I feel really excited. No one's excited about this, that we're going to do something really crazy in Sterling and our surrounding area together. I feel like we're going to walk down 28 and park traffic. <laughs> or maybe we'll walk around Dominion and start to see walls fall seven times. I don't, I don't know. Something. Something. Maybe God's just calling us to a corporate fast or something like that. Nothing really, really crazy. But I feel like God is calling us as a family to do something really amazing that will require us to have faith together. And it's going to be a little uncomfortable, but it's going to be really, really great for us. And we're going to see our lives change. But anyway, I got on a side tangent. Here we, we got Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Some of the things that we studied over the past few months is that faith is choosing to focus on who you're walking with rather than what you're walking through. Faith is moving forward in the face of the promise that's taking longer than you expected. Faith is obeying God when you don't see the end from the beginning or acting on the next step without seeing the actual full picture that God is putting before you. Faith is seeing beyond who you are right now and stepping into the person that God has created you to be. We're surrounded by these men and women of incredible faith, and they're not just watching us kind of binge watching us, right? Like, uh, like we're a Netflix TV show or something like that, tuning into Pastor Eddie's life and seeing what he's doing next or, no, let me stop. Um, <laughs> but they serve as our examples, as our encouragers, as our cheerleaders saying, look, you can do this. You can live this life of faith. And what they're really saying, if I can sum it up in two words, is that faith works, Amen. that God works 
Obedience to God works. And what I've been reading when I read this passage, I was so encouraged. But listen, faith still works. Yeah. That we're not just surrounded by, uh, by a cloud of witnesses that are relegated to the past. That we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses right here, right now, in this room. That there are basically a few hundred people in this room that can witness to the fact that God has changed their life. That is witness to the fact that God can do something in their life that has healed them from disease, that has broken barriers in their life, set them free from addictions, helped them find purpose in their life. You're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses here today. The lie of the enemy would tell us that you're alone. I know for me, sometimes I feel like I, 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 put, I have this monopoly on this unpleasant experience that, I'm, that I'm, I'm having sometimes. And I start to copyright my struggles like I own them. But the truth is, I got 99 problems, and so does everybody else, right? No, no one is immune to, to struggle, to trials to temptations, even to the feeling like you have limitations. No one is immune to it. Most of us are experiencing the same things. Maybe they're different, but they're, they're similar in some regards. And I can guarantee you that there's someone in this room today that is going through something that you're, you're going through or that you will go through or that you have been through. I know for a fact that there's someone in this room today that is currently facing something that I'm facing. And I'm not alone in this struggle. I'm surrounded by people that can help me walk out this faith. They can help me push through the things that I'm pushing through. And they can encourage me to say, look, I, I did it. I went through it. I got through it. I know that you can do it. and you are surrounded. Not only, like, not only are we surrounded by God, obviously he's with us, he's never left us, he's never forsaken us, and that's really exciting, but he surrounded us with people that are standing in faith and running the race. And listen, either you're surrounded by these people that witness to faith in God, or you're surrounded by people that witness to something else, right? And your surroundings are what allow you to either see God or be blocked from seeing God. And my, my encouragement today is, if you can't see God, if you can't see his people, you might need new people in your life. You can come join my small group. My wife just went, it's already, we have a small townhouse, it's already packed out, but I guarantee you, Tuesday's night, 7 to 9 in Sterling, 2nd and 4th Tuesday, you can come to our small group, I guarantee you that you will feel surrounded, because there will be a lot of people in the room, but not only will you be surrounded by people, you'll be surrounded by the love of God, and you'll be encouraged to do the things that God has called you to do. You're surrounded. Join a service team. Do something to surround yourself with people that are going to help you see what God has for you. And the passage continues to say, look, we should be encouraged so much by seeing other people go through what you're going through and walking it out that we should surrender, that we should lay aside, let me find it, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. The word says, let us, 
Like, it's an us. We're not alone in this. Like, let us do it together. Lay aside, put away, cast away, renounce, give up, throw away. Push it into oncoming traffic if you have to. Don't do it if it's a person, but I'm just, uh, just kidding there. But every weight which clings, every weight in sin which clings, that word clings means it surrounds you. It it's impedes advancement. It stops your movement. It's describing bondage. This is lay aside everything that would keep you in bondage from doing the things that God would have you to do. Why? So that we can run the race that is set before us. We have two different things here. We have weights and sin. It's two different things. It says every weight. What is a weight? A weight is baggage. It's uh, unnecessary or extra baggage, loads, things that we carry that slow us down and drag us down. Uh, this, this past week, my, my wife decided to abandon me. She betrayed me. It's a strong word, I know, but you'll understand when I tell you the story. But she, she left me alone all week with our two kids. Solo parenting. So not only like, do I have a job that I have to do, and then there is um, the ministry and preparing a message, right? And then there's our two kids, and we have a dog. Anybody want a dog? You can have my dog. <laughs> but I have my... my no, that's, that's real. Like, call me. We can talk. <laughs> I have my, my, my two kids, and one is two, one is five. I had to get one to daycare. Had to get one to school. He's in kindergarten this year, and so it's getting their, their food, packing their food, feeding them, getting them off to daycare, getting them off to school, picking them up from school, picking them from daycare, right? <laughs> Superman, right? I'm cleaning, I'm washing dishes, I'm washing clothes. I'm, I'm doing all the things, man. Two things I, I, that I, I've learned. Number one, any, any single or, or solo parents in here in the house right now, I want to give you an amazing, like, what you do requires so much grace and patience and anointing. It is. You are operating in, in grace and gifting that you don't even know that you have. When I walked out of the house one day and I, I looked down and I had on, like, the wrong shoes <laughs> I didn't brush my teeth. I'm like, I'm a mess. But anyway, what I, what I learned, what I learned is, though, that for me to accomplish, to accomplish the things I needed to accomplish during the week, I needed to cut some things off, all right? So, like, on my phone, I had to delete Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all of these things that were sucking my time away. Because I knew that, man, if I, if, if I was here for an hour, there's some things that I wouldn't get done and my kids wouldn't get to school and life would be crazy. And I'm here to say today, look, I learned that I, I had capacity that I didn't even know that I had by simply just unplugging from some things that were draining my resources. And I feel like God wants to say this morning to, to some of us, Unplug the phone, <laughs> unplug the computer, unplug the TV. Like if you're struggling in your relationship with God and, and wondering, is there more with God? There's probably more, but there's things that are draining your resources. The word says every weight. 
Every, all of them. The question is, do I really need to get rid of all of my weights? The answer here is only if you want to win. Only if you want to win. I, I, I feel like God doesn't want us just to finish the race, but he wants us to be victorious in the race today. Doesn't want us dragging limbs across the finish line, right? His promise in, in John 10, 10 says that we can have life and life more abundantly. Colleen, our campus minister, um, where is she? <laughs> At our, at our staff meeting, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but she, she gave a devotion and she says that there's, there's people that are walking, not walking in the abundant life, but they're just walking in an abundance of things. And there's a difference. My, my wife went on a, a trip this week and she had her, her bag and it was, you know, 50 pound weight restriction before you get on. And she was at like 49.99999. But what I learned, what I, what I realized was that she, she took this bag and she could get on the plane, but if she was over the weight restriction, it's not that she couldn't reach her destination or get to where she was going to go. It was just that she would have to pay a little bit more to bring the extra baggage with her. It's not that you can't get to where God wants you to go. You're carrying bad relationships, all right? You're carrying unnecessary sins and bad habits, things from the past. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's just financial debt, right? Maybe it's just something like that. Uh, it's not that you can't get there, but it's just going to cost you in the end. And God is saying, lay, lay aside every weight, all of them talks about this sin which clings so closely. The specific sin here in the passage is, uh, relates to the uh, original readers, and it was the sin of unbelief, where they had this, this struggle that they were dealing with and this persecution that they were facing, and they were starting to drift back into some of the, uh, the old ways of their faith, Judaism. Uh, and their unbelief was starting to stifle their movement, put them back in bondage, much like the Israelites coming out of Egypt, where they would see God move, part the Red Sea, like manna would fall from heaven. And what you would read is that they would come into a tough place and then they would feel a little bit like God isn't with them. And they would look at Moses and say, you know what, Moses, it would be better if we were back in Egypt in bondage, where at least we had food and water. Right? And this is, this is their sin here of their, their unbelief. And my belief is that the sin of unbelief is really the, the sin that kind of broad, like broadens out to all the other sins. Because if you don't believe who God is, who he said he is, and if you don't believe that God can do what God said he would do in your life, then what will happen is you will step outside of the will of God and do things on your own where God might have a perfect and a best plan for you, but if you don't believe in his good and perfect will, you will step out and do for what your good and your perfect is 
If you don't believe that you are who God is, who, he's, who God says you are, or who God has created you to be, then you will step outside of that and really act upon what you believe you are instead of who God says you are, right? Like if God says you're a child of God, will you, will you act like a child of God? If God says be holy as he is holy, will you be holy or will your actions reflect unholiness? That was a quiet point. Um, <laughs> scripture says that you're wonderfully and beautifully made. How about that? That's very encouraging. Um, how, do you, how do you know who, who God is, what he said he would do, who he says you are? You got you to get into the word. This is where we find out who we are. This is where we find out who he is and what he said he would do. Romans ten seventeen says this. Faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. Got to get in the word on a daily basis and cast aside our unbelief. And then we get to this point here where um, in verse 2 where it says, look, okay, throw away everything. And then I want you to look to Jesus. Look how he walked out this faith. Look how he did it. We, I'm going to call this survey because we're going to just ask some questions. Who is this Jesus? Let's examine his life. What did he do? Why did he do it? How did he do it? And what does this mean for us as believers? It says that he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He's the founder. He started it all. He's the, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that we read about, right? He, he's the great I am. He's the one that the prophets prophesied about. He is God. He's the one. He's the one that the angels that, that you, you hold so highly, he's the one that they're crying holy, holy, holy about. That's who he is. He's the founder. He's the one that started it all. He's the one that started it all in us today. We are here because he started something in our hearts. He pricked our hearts, breathed life into our, our bodies. He's the founder. He's the CEO. He's, he's the founder. And he's the perfecter. That he was God, but he became man, and he lived the perfect life and became the perfect sacrifice to die for all of humanity, and then he will rise again from the grave, defeating sin and death, perfected, perfected our faith. How did he perfect a faith? By enduring the cross and despising the shame. The question that we'll ask is, why? Why did he do it? Verse 2 says that he did it for the joy that was set before him, which was to be seated at the right hand of the Father. If you picked up on it, look, he endured in faith because he wanted to be back in right relationship with God. Like his rightful place was to be seated at the right hand of the Father. So he endured because that's where he wanted to be. This is what we learned by Jesus' example is that the value of the relationship with the Father was so strong that it not only gave him strength to endure the cross, but it also gave him the ability to despise the shame of what he had experienced at the hands of sinful men. That he would be elevated in such a way that when he was risen from the grave, he would look down upon shame, down upon death, down upon sin, and say, bye, Felicia. That he would strip away shame's power and shame's grip. 
Shame, shame to me is, is something that, would, that holds us in our sin. It's, the, it's meant to, to cripple us, to defeat our mentality, to kind of weaken our posture and our stance with God. Right? And we walk around with, with shame on us, and it distorts the view of, of our worth. And it's really where most people end up hiding behind masks, right? Hiding behind masks of success to kind of avoid people seeing the real mess that, that's, that's happened in our life, i.e. social media, Right? That's, that's what it is. It's basically a big mess. <laughs> um, but the relationship with God far outweighs and overcomes the shame of our sin, the shame of our failures, the shame of our past. And if we take our cue from Jesus and we take our cue from Joseph, is that what was meant for evil or what could be used for your downfall, right, becomes what God meant for good. The shame that you could be carrying becomes the hope that you can begin to share with other people. I'll give you an example of this. I, I'm a, I was raised by a single mother. My, my father took his life when I was eight years old. And so from, from year eight to year 18, most of the decisions that I made in my life were decisions to fill the void that was left by the departure of my father. And most of those decisions were not good decisions. And most of those decisions ended up with me looking back and thinking, man, this is really, really bad. Ones that most people would be ashamed of. But when I was 18, God came into my life, wrecked my life, opened my eyes, gave me new life and new hope, right? And then what happens is my past, the, ones, the past that I would be ashamed of, now becomes the platform that I get to stand here today and preach the gospel from and say, if God can do that in my life, he can do that in your life, right? So listen, I know that the things that you're going through or the things that you have been through were not easy, not hard. I mean, they're hard. But once you come out on the other side in view of right relationship, with the Father, that you, you become filled with power and, and grace and faith, and you get to look, you get to look at this and become a witness to something that can change other people's life. Man. Word says here in Revelations 12, 11, that we overcome by, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And the writer then puts everything in perspective here in verse 3. He says, who for, um, I'm sorry, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. It says, consider Jesus and don't give up is basically what this passage is saying. To keep fighting, to keep going, to keep running. In verse 4, which we didn't read today, but it says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. And what he's saying is that if you're still alive, you still have a chance. <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean, my wife hates this, but um, 
when my kids are playing and they're playing outside and if, if they fall, you know, it's one of those things where I kind of have to wait and see, are they going to be okay? Are they going to cry? And then I, first thing I do is I check to see if they're bleeding. Because if, if they're bleeding, then I have to, you know, attend to the kid and clean up the blood and clean up the mess. But if, and this might be bad parenting, so don't take my advice, but if, if they're not bleeding, bro, just get up, man. Come on. You can do it. It's all right. Just keep going. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. And this is what this passage is saying. Like, look, man, you're not dead yet, right? You, there's still time for you. You have not yet fought this enough to the shedding of blood unto death. Like, you can still keep fighting, get up off the mat, keep going. There's some of us that there are some dreams and some hopes and some things, right, that we've kind of stopped believing God for. We've kind of stopped hoping for. There's some, some, some job things, some family things, relationships. And God is saying, listen, don't stop believing. Amen. I want to sing the song, but I'm not. <laughs> Don't stop believing. Don't give up. It's not over. There's still an opportunity for you to walk in this great inheritance of faith and to see God do amazing things in and through your life. And I'll end with this story here. Um, and Reggie, you can come up. Um, I'll end with this story. There's a, I played uh, basketball growing up and I used to be able to dunk. You don't have to believe that, but I could, could get up really high. And I was in high school, and we were playing an away game, and I, I went up um, just to grab a rebound. I got undercut, and I fell, and I fell down and hit my head on the ground. And there was this big hush that went over the crowd, um, and I thought, this is not, this is not good. And then I was, ended up, I mean, I was surrounded by my teammates and my coaches. And they were just standing over me. And just like, are you okay? Then the nurses came. But what I, I could hear from the crowd, my, there was my mother and my sister and my nephew that were in the crowd. And I could hear my, my nephew. He was like five or six at the time. And he was like, get up, Uncle Maine get up, Uncle Maine. I was like, man, this is, this is, okay, okay. And I could hear my mom, you better get up, boy. (laughs) So you were more, you can get up. And my sister, get up, you can do it, you can do it. I don't know if they were just, you know, screaming in fear or afraid of what was happening, but, but they were encouraging me to get up, to get up, you can do it, you can do it. And then I, as I came to the crowd, you know, started to clap. I probably had a concussion. You know, it was ni- but 1999. People didn't care about, you know, concussions <laughs> at that time. When I got up a little wobbly and everybody's clapping, they're clapping. And they're like, great, you got up. Let's get back in the game. Let's get going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. And this is what I want to encourage you today, because I was surrounded by this, this crowd, this cloud of witnesses that were pushing me to get up off the floor and get back in the game. What I'm saying is, listen, don't stop believing and enduring in faith the thing that you're fighting for, the thing that you're believing for, the thing that you're hoping that God would do and change and heal. 
Don't stop. Don't stop. We have such a great cloud of witnesses that can help us push into the things that God is pushing us to. Why? Because they've done it. We've done it. We're doing it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your faith that you've given us, for your example of faith in Jesus, that he would endure the cross, despising its shame. I thank you for everyone here, Lord, that's struggling with something and dealing with something and maybe losing hope and losing a little faith, that they would continue to believe, that they would be encouraged and spurred on in faith this morning. With all our eyes closed, I, I, I want to I ask if there's anyone here today that they heard this message and they feel like they had stopped believing. Maybe they aren't believing, but they've been so spurred on watching this great cloud of witnesses and they, they want to give their life to the Lord and to start walking in the faith that God has called them to do. Like this is the day where you're surrounded by this great cloud where you can walk into something great. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand so we can pray for you? I see that hand. Come on, I see this hand in the back. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. I see this hand over here as well. Thank you, God. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for these these people with their hands that are raised, surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, Lord, that they are encouraged to lay aside everything that's holding them back from serving you, from going after you today. Thank you, God, for your grace here today that's pricked their heart to make the change, to go after you and you alone. So we pray, Father, for everyone here today under the sound of my voice, that they would be spurred on to do great things for you. We love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.